Yes, yes. Welcome back in. We are back. It is the Chief Sound Podcast. I am Farzine Vesugian. Hope you guys all had a great and wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, of course, I missed the last episode of the podcast, and we did not do one last week, so it's been a while for me. Hopefully, I can remember how to do all of this. And as always, Zach and DJ joining me in for this one. A little time to waste. Of course, we got a lot to get into, so we'll get right into it. If you guys want to follow us on social media, I am at Farzine21. On Twitter, Zach is at Z Steginga, and DJ is at ChiefsFanshy. You can also follow me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Farzine and Subscribe to the podcast. Share the links. And text into the podcast. We'll read your text at the end of the podcast. 913-808-2119. We will recap the game between the Chiefs and Raiders. Not hardly a game at all where the Chiefs were challenging this one. But still, some things to get into here. We'll also preview the game between the Chiefs and the Patriots. Should be a big game for not just... Chiefs fans, Patriots fans, a lot of people are going to be tuning in to this one after they had two big games last year uh, in the regular season and in the AFC Championship game. So should be a very exciting match to look forward to. Also, we'll get into the NFL 100 list as one big obvious Chief was omitted from this and also a 49ers color analyst suspended for a controversial comment he made and we'll read your text, as I mentioned, at the end of the podcast. As I said, Zach Sunga, DJ Evans joining me here on this episode. Gents, welcome back in. Uh, how was your guys' Thanksgiving? Man, it was great, Farzine. I was able to make it back to Kansas City, so you know, got some good barbecue in me, and uh, you know, any opportunity to come home and see friends and family is always a welcome one. So, great Thanksgiving. Yeah, I got to watch uh, a awesome Bears Lions game. Uh, watching the third string quarterback for the Lions almost trump uh, Mitchell Trubisky and. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, whatever the other two Sunday games, like those Thursday games were pretty bad. And, uh, how, how about that tan Farzin? Uh, uh, did you, uh, get a tan from Mexico? Uh, I did not. Uh, thank God. I, I burned very easily. Uh, <laughs> I will say Mexico was nice, much needed. Uh, I was off work for two weeks. I mean, I, I did have to go back for one day to take care of something, but I know not a lot of people get that luxury, so I definitely took advantage of those two weeks much needed. It's, it's been a really crazy year, uh, work-wise and personally, so uh, that was days. definitely, yeah, uh, definitely enjoyed that. Um, Zach, uh, you're you're back in New York now. Are, are you dealing with 20 feet of snow, or was I fed some fake news earlier this week about that? So I believe there's certainly areas of New York that got smoked. I mean, not the city specifically, uh, but I'm pretty sure you know other parts of the Northeast got hit. But where I'm at, uh, if we had you know half an inch of accumulation, I'd be pretty shocked. Uh, you know, where I live, we've got a little uh, patio kind of above my room in the apartment, and uh, yeah, we have a little bit of furniture out there, and it was at best a half inch of accumulation there because it was mostly you know just kind of rainy and sloppy, no real no real snow to deal with. I'll just never understand weather patterns ever, especially in the Midwest. It was 61 degrees on Wednesday. It's like, why, first of all, how does that happen in December in, in the Midwest? Second of all, why can't this happen on like a weekend when I'm not working? You know, that way I can enjoy the great outdoors. You know what I mean? You know what's funny but, is the first the first game I ever was at Arrowhead was 2003. It was uh, Chiefs Bears Week 17, and it was obviously, I think it was like December 28th or 29th, and it was 60 degrees. It was crazy. 
The Gotta Magic the game where Priest, Priest Holmes broke the touchdown record. Yeah, he was, did. Which was broken like multiple times since then. But I always remember that day. I'm like, late December in Kansas City and it's 60 degrees outside. Kind of crazy. I remember my dad took me to the playoff game a couple of weeks after that. And uh, the weather was awesome. I remember they were saying that it was could awesome. rain. Uh, but it ended up actually uh, being pretty good. It was about high 50s or low 60s, uh, which you hardly ever get in January. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we'll discuss weather uh, for another time because neither of us are meteorologists. But uh, nonetheless, like I said, a lot to get into here. So I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. Appreciate you guys being patient. I know we did not do an episode last week since... We were all uh, crazy busy uh, out and about with the holidays, but nonetheless, we are back. And the Chiefs, they were definitely back uh, from their bye week. And hey, what a great game to have coming off your bye week. We know about Andy Reid's history coming off a bye. I know in Kansas City, his his record after a bye, if you include the playoffs, isn't necessarily great. Um, But this game uh, definitely reflects what he's had for a majority of his career, where the Chiefs just flat out dominated this football game. Now, the Raiders, they came out with a great game plan early on running the football on the opening drive. Uh, In fact, they ran it five times for 30 yards. Four of those carries came from Josh Jacobs. He ran for 28 yards. And I'm thinking, boy, uh, I mean, you already have a fourth of that 100-yard milestone on this drive. And I'm thinking, boy, I mean, the Raiders at this point have a lot of momentum. If they can score first... They're going to take that arrowhead noise out of it. Nope, not the case. Derek Carr throws a dart to Tyron Matthew, ending essentially what was a great opening drive for the Raiders. And the Chiefs quickly go to the end zone to score. And there was a little mishap on the fourth and one uh, where Andy Reid wanted to go for it. And I know I was very critical of Andy Reid the last time I've been on this podcast. Uh, That was my only issue with Andy Reid in this football game that uh, fourth and one play call. And I'll get back to Andy Reid, but uh, you had the pick six from Juan Thornhill. Uh, Oakland's first and only red zone play uh, in the first half or in the third quarter. I can't remember when it was, but their first and only red zone play up until that point was a loss for negative yardage. In fact, it actually took Josh Jacobs 100 rushing yards away. He eventually got the 100 yards back. But that's the kind of game the Chiefs were playing in the first half. Uh, you look at the first half, the Raiders were actually outgaining the Chiefs 189 to 127. But with all the yards they would have on those drives and the turnovers that Derek Carr would give away to Kansas City, hey, look, uh, it, I mean, it, it just pans out like that sometimes. I remember in 2009, there was a very similar game where the Chiefs outgained the Raiders by a wide margin and they actually ended up losing that game. But nonetheless, Mahomes at halftime, he was 10 of 20 in this football game. And I don't I don't know what his uh, stat line was after the game. And I know it wasn't very good. It's his second straight game below 200 uh, passing yards. And look, I know he's kind of in a funk right now. Any elite player, whether it's a quarterback, running back, defender, whoever, they're all going to have a two-game funk even during a great season. And I still think Mahomes is having a really great year. Let's not forget, uh, he's got what this season? Uh... Try to play 20 touchdowns and two picks, uh, four total turnovers if you include fumbles, and he also has a rushing touchdown. He actually had that in this game, so man, 21 total touchdowns. <laughs> what, what, what's that, DJ? I said, Man, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, he's in a slump right now, it's not great. 
Um, but you know what? Patrick Mahomes has always been the guy that has picked up this Chiefs defense when they're not doing well. The last two games, it's been the other way around where Mahomes isn't, he's not playing terrible necessarily, but he's not having a Mahomes-like game, and it's the defense that's pretty much returning the favor after Mahomes had always picked them up. So, look, at the end of the day, you're finding ways to win. And if we were going to sit here and say it's been two games in a row where the offense struggled and the defense had the monster game, or monster games, I should say, because it happened back-to-back games, not weeks, because of the bye week, uh, boy, I would have said you're crazy. But that's exactly what's happening. It's a little hard because this defense has been inconsistent, but... Uh, we're starting to see a better performance from this defense uh, ever since the Chiefs suffered their first loss of the season. Zach, I- I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, I know the story of this game is, you know, Mahomes struggled, but the defense had an amazing game. What is your take on this defense right now? So I think the defense is definitely making some major strides. I think they're starting to kind of come into their own a little bit. Uh, certainly still some things we could fix, uh, namely the rush defense. I mean, you know, if you look at... Uh, you were talking to especially that first drive watching Jacobs kind of carve the defense up uh but his final stat line I mean he had 17 carries for 104 yards for those of you you know without a calculator in front of you uh that's 6.1 yards a carry so not great um so certainly some room to improve there but the thing that's impressed me most is uh you know watching you know Tyron Matthew really take a step forward in producing picks in now two straight games uh looks like Thornhill's getting better and really the secondary as a whole uh, which was a major point of concern for me you know, coming into the year, uh, is starting to look a little bit stronger. So I would say cautiously optimistic on the defensive front. You know, We see some flashes in the run game, uh, but definitely need to uh, see some more consistent improvement there, especially up front. You know what's interesting, DJ, is I asked a couple of weeks ago on social media, you know, what are your thoughts on Tyron Matthew? And I got a lot of mixed responses on this one. Some people were disappointed. Some people thought that, you know, he was making plays where, you know, they don't show up on the stat sheet. Now he's making those big plays that come up on the stat sheet, and that's really helped Kansas City in a big way lately. Exactly. So he, you know, last two games he's had interceptions. That interception um, from the Raiders game was crazy. Like, he, he made a decision, which I think, based on what he said after the game, having watched video of uh, Derek Carr, is the reason why he was able to make that play. Like, he turned around, and it almost seemed like he was expecting the ball to be there. And that, that changed, like you said, that changed the whole dynamic of that drive and the start of the game because the Raiders were moving the ball. They were running the ball down the field. So he's he's been impressive. You know, he didn't have the the big stats the first few weeks. He, he had a lot of tip passes. He had some dropped interceptions. I think he had one against the Chargers. Um, But he has been, um, in my opinion, pretty consistently good. Uh, He's a better tackler than we've had in our secondary, um, at least for safeties, without Eric Berry, obviously. And so I was was impressed by um, Tyron, and really I was impressed by the defense as a whole. They, They showed out. And, you know, people are going to look at the stats and say, yeah, Mahomes, two games in a row, he's down you know, under 200 yards. We're, we're in Alex Smith land, which I think is unfair. Uh, we know he's not Alex Smith. Alex Smith didn't throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. I think we're a little bit spoiled having seen that. 
it's it's nice to be able to win a game forty to nine and complain about our offense not being good. It's a good place to be in, I think. You know, here's my thing with that. I remember early on, people were going crazy saying Mahomes is actually on pace for 6,000 yards. Okay, look. Yeah, sure. When you do the math and look at the averages and multiply it by 16 and you're going to think, look, it's really hard to get 6,000 yards. He barely got 5,000. It's really hard to get five. Yeah, it is. But the thing is, look. He's going to have bad games. Peyton Manning, in the prime of his career, had bad games. Tom Brady, in the prime of his career, has had bad games. You name any of the best players in NFL history, they've had bad games. Sometimes back-to-back bad games. And that's what Mahomes is going through right now. And look, it's going to happen again in his career where he's going to have, you know, games where he's below 200 yards. Um, Of course, missed a couple of games due to an injury. So... These things happen. It's not like, you know, he went out there and threw three picks, four picks, and the defense was starving for any kind of leg room because they're backed up in their own end zone. That's not what happened in this football game. Um, The Chiefs were still able to go out there and do some things offensively. I know a lot of people were excited about Darwin Thompson. We got a lot of texts about that, so we'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, well, the other thing, the other thing I would mention there, yeah, the other thing I would mention there on Mahomes' little funk. Uh, you know, the thing that I think kind of goes understated here is the fact that, so Sunday, I mean, you were out there, DJ, uh, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, it certainly <laughs> looked it on TV that, uh, you know, the gust, the gusting wind was certainly a factor. Am I correct on that? Um, I saw a lot of uh, tents blown uh, <laughs> all around the parking lot before the game. I saw a kick that I've never even seen on Madden. Even if yeah, that was ugly. Like, didn't, yeah, that, that was bad. Like, I don't even... That that was a Fernando Valenzuela uh, screwball kick. <laughs> I, I've never seen one like that before. So, you know, so suffice it to say, the wind. <laughs> are we expecting? A yeah, are we expecting Mahomes to throw for four hundred or five hundred yards and five touchdowns in a game where there's forty mile per hour wind gusts? It's I think it's a little unfair. And it's not like Derek Carr was throwing like darts down the field. Like his passing yards were mostly short passes. So that, and then if you look at. Uh, the week before with uh, the Chargers, you know, Tyreek Hill goes out early. In, he was, and and Tyreek Hill goes out early in the game. It's a terrible field. Everybody recognized that from the start. Let's see what they do against the Patriots, and we'll talk about that later. I think we're going to see a little bit. Some we're going to see something different. I, I, I want to get to that Patriots game real quickly. I want to get into Andy Reid because, like I said last time, I, I was on this podcast and on social media. I made my stance on Andy Reid very clear, and I said that, you know, if the Chiefs don't get get to a Super Bowl this year, he should be fired, and I still stand by that. But let me just say something about this game, and I understand it's the Raiders, not a very good team. They just got blown up by the Jets, and now they got blown up, blown up by a team that's 99% going to make the playoffs. This is the Andy Reid that I want to see. You know, I love the aggressiveness. The fourth and one call, that's the only thing I had an issue with in this game. Everything else, I was pretty pleased with what Andy Reid did in this football game. I I like the play calls. I like the aggressiveness. And, you know, when you were up two possessions, you kept, I mean, you did not let go of the pedal. You kept firing away, and that's why you won this football game in a blowout. Uh, That's not the Andy Reid I want to fire. You know, this is the Andy Reid, and, you know, if this defense continues to play this way, they'll be challenged, and I know the Patriots have offensive issues, but I still think, you know, 
beating Brady is no easy task. Uh, they're going to be tested again this week, but if this defense can keep up, and if the offense can be a little bit better, as we, we were just talking about, and if this kind of coaching style we see from Andy Reid consistently, it's hard to imagine a loss. Now, look, you're going to lose games sometimes, even when you do give it your best. But it really does give me optimism that this Andy Reid is going to get his first ever Super Bowl, plain and simple. If this, if you have that kind of aggressiveness, you, I mean, this is the Andy Reid that people are not going to criticize, and all those longtime critics of Andy Reid, especially those from Philadelphia, they're not going to be saying anything because this will lead you to a Super Bowl. Am I wrong here? No, I think that you know, like like you said, the aggressive play calling and being able to kind of really, you know, kind of keep your foot on the opponent's neck, so to speak. Um, you know, is something that we haven't seen from Andy, and I was certainly encouraged to see it on Sunday. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to see more of that moving forward. Uh, but I would like to see a little bit more, you know, dynamicness or dynamism from the offense. You know, it yes. seems like the last couple of weeks it's kind of, you know, throttled back a little bit. And I don't know if that's Andy, Pat, the, you know, revolving door of offensive linemen that we've had, uh, and also receivers for that matter, uh, or just kind of all of the above. But, Definitely want to see that kind of return to a sense of normalcy. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to. I I love going forward on fourth and short. I I think it's smart, especially when you have the offense we have. I've been disappointed, as I think both of both of you guys are as well, with the play calling on fourth and short because you have so many playmakers and you're handing off the ball to, you know, Daryl Williams or you're handing the ball off to Lashawn McCoy. Um, or throwing know, a screen pass to Blake Bell. Yeah, Blake Bell. Oh, don't even bring that up. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I think Blake Bell. Mike, Mike Lombardi didn't like that one either, option, but we can talk about that later. Um, but as the but, bulldozer. Yeah, you know it, what I want to see from this offense. I think we will see more against the Patriots. It sounds like the weather is going to be a lot better. Uh, shockingly, because usually it's bad there. Um, but you know. It's a positive to see Andy Reid going forward on fourth down, uh, not punting the ball. But I would like to see a little bit more creativity, which we know he has because he's an offensive genius, uh, to see him do that type of stuff in those situations because, you know, you know, it was fourth and one or whatever in the first half. And it was, it was, really, it was deflating when that happened, when you get stuffed. It, was, it, it deflates the team. It deflates the crowd because they – pretty much we're expecting it yeah it's 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 interesting i mean it's hard to you know andy reed can be a little unpredictable sometimes both uh positively and negatively <laughs> just kind of depends and, and you know people still ask you know which andy reed's gonna show up and, and you know people have been asking me do you still think andy reed should be fired and i'm saying well uh i still stand by what i said but you know as far as you know which andy reed shows up in the playoffs i, I don't know I, I i don't know uh, but, you know, we got a few games left, and we'll see uh, how this team is going to, if they can keep that momentum going. And, of course, it's going to start this Sunday in Foxborough against the Patriots. It's going to be a very interesting game. Weather for this game, high 30s, less than 10% chance of rain. Winds up to 9, 10 miles an hour. The referee for this game, Jerome Boger, 
uh, referee since 2006. No playoff game since 2012. His most recent Chiefs game was the Week 2 2018 game at Pittsburgh when Mahomes threw six touchdowns. That's essentially when the Mahomes mania or the Mahomes fever was born, whatever you want to call it. But this is, uh, you might as well call this a nationally televised game, even though it's on CBS. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wilson, they're going to be part of the broadcast. And if you look at the TV map for this, uh, you've got Tennessee and Oakland and Pittsburgh and Arizona also playing on CBS at the same time. So consider those markets. Um, they're basically going to be showing, you know, Tennessee and Oakland, you know, those areas will have that game. And, of course, Pittsburgh and Arizona, as well as Vegas, uh, they're going to be showing that game. But the rest of the country, they're getting this football game. So might as well call it a nationally televised game. And for those wondering why is this not on uh, Sunday Night Football or why was it not flexed, this is one of the few times late in the season when CBS and Fox have the option to protect a couple of games. And because we haven't seen a Patriots uh, Chiefs game on CBS in a long time, this is one that CBS really wanted to protect and keep it on their broadcast for the regular season. So, And rightfully so, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are definitely going to be tuning in to CBS for this. As far as the injury report... Uh, Notable names on this one, Damian Williams and Daryl Williams. Neither of them practiced on Wednesday, and I think that's a big reason why you saw Darwin Thompson, who got a lot of snaps against the Raiders, also got into the end zone for his first career touchdown. Two draft picks from this year, by the way, uh, getting their first career touchdowns. Juan Thornhill and then Darwin Thompson, and it's worth noting that the Chiefs did bring back Spencer Ware, so maybe we see a little bit of Spencer Ware in this football game. We'll see, you know, how things pan out in the week for the Williams guys right there. But uh, those are the only guys who did not practice. Frank Clark did leave the game early with a shoulder injury. He's limited. Everyone else on this uh, injury report, they were full participants. So uh, nothing too terrible on the injury front there for Kansas City. Um, look, this is, a, this is a pretty big game here. And before we move forward... Let me just ask you guys this real quickly. And I know this is going to probably rub some Chiefs fans off the wrong way, but I'll say it anyway. There are a lot of Chiefs fans who are saying that the Patriots have not beaten anybody. Okay, fine. But by saying that, if the Chiefs win this game, you should follow some sort of logic that says this is not an impressive win. Because if the Patriots haven't beaten anybody, by that logic, is this considered an impressive or quality win? Because, listen, man, I know people said that about the Rams last year when the Chiefs and Rams were getting ready to play. And the Chiefs ended up losing that game. Which, first of all, that was a very false uh, comment to make to say the Rams have not beaten anybody. They had actually beaten some good teams. In fact, they had some common opponents with the Chiefs. So, by saying that, when Chiefs fans say that, it's almost like you're taking credit away already from your from your team if they were to win. So, by all means, man, you are facing a 10-2 and team, the six-time reigning champs. I know the past has nothing to do with the present, but this is still Belichick and Brady we are talking about, okay? You're going to face a team in Foxborough where it's very rare to win in Foxborough on the road. Guys, I mean, I think it's absurd to say, but a win in Foxborough is a pretty damn impressive win. I mean, I certainly think so, especially against this defense. I mean, don't get me wrong, Brady has looked more you know, mortal than really probably ever in his career up to this point. Um, and I think a big part of that is the fact that they just don't have quite the weapons that they once had, um, both at the receiver position or I guess tight end position with Gronk being gone. They don't really have anybody to stretch the field there. 
but then the offensive line, he, you know, Brady's been getting hit, it feels like, a lot more. Whether that statistically bears out or not, I haven't actually looked. But anecdotally, it sure looks like he's under a lot more pressure than he has been in years past. Um, so while the offense has faltered quite a bit, or it certainly looks that way, uh, the defense is incredible. And going in and beating this Patriots defense, I mean, yeah, I understand the argument that Chiefs fans are making saying that you know they haven't really played anybody, and they have certainly had the benefit of a soft schedule. But I, I, I mean, essentially, I wouldn't necessarily take away from either side entirely. I mean, the Patriots have played quite a few weak teams. That is true. But I don't think they've played so many weak teams that it makes it an unimpressive win. Um, I think that you know, their defense is the real deal and has shown that way uh, against some real quarterbacks. I mean, they managed to shut down the Texans effectively the entire second half uh, this past Sunday night um, and you know, uh, opened the door for their offense to make a comeback. So beating beating this Patriots team is definitely going to be impressive and it's going to take a lot of work uh, to make it happen. DJ, what, what's your reaction when you hear fans say, oh, they haven't beaten anyone? It's almost like you're already, like I said, kind of taking away credit from your team if they were to win against that team. Do you guys remember the last time that the Patriots lost at home? Uh, was it against Kansas City? Um, it was close. It was 2017, so we beat them, uh, the home opener for oh. the Patriots um, on Thursday Night Football, and then they lost, I think, week three to I think the Panthers. Yep, you are right. That was the yeah. last time. Um, that's wow. a pretty impressive streak because if you count the playoff games, which they've had many, you beat the Patriots at Foxborough. I don't care what version of Tom Brady you have. I don't care what version of their defense or offense you have. It's an impressive feat, and it's going to say a lot about the Chiefs if they can beat the Patriots at Foxborough. It's going to change the narrative Um about what the Chiefs are right now because I think the Chiefs have kind of fallen into, at least nationally, at least, um, into the second tier of, you know, they're competitive, they're going to make the playoffs, but are, are they really a Super Bowl competitor? If they beat the Chiefs, or I'm sorry, if they beat the Patriots at Foxborough, I think even though it's unlikely, in my opinion, that we're going to get a bye week, we're, we're back in the conversation of it doesn't matter where we're playing we can we can go there and beat somebody on the road we beat the ravens at kansas city the score was a lot closer than the game uh, in my opinions I, I i watched it and it we dominated that game so it, it it'll i think we're actually gonna win and i'm sure we'll talk about predictions but it's it's <laughs> beating them is not gonna be I, I think it's kind of funny that people always everybody wants to say the Patriots are dead, they're gonna die. They said that in twenty fourteen when the Chiefs destroyed them at Arrowhead. They said Tom Brady was done, Garoppolo was gonna be the quarterback, and then they won the Super Bowl. So I'm not ready in order to become the king, you gotta slay the king. We haven't sl- nobody's has slayed the king yet. We we we've gotta be that team. We gotta do it. And the Chiefs have you know, been that team that has blown out the Patriots. Of course, that Monday Night Football game, everyone thought the Patriots era was over. They went on to win the Super Bowl that year and two more. And then the uh, season opener, as you mentioned, DJ, a couple of years ago, uh, everyone thought, well, is this going to happen again? Every time we think that, you know, the Patriots dynasty is over, 
that's when they turn it up the most. So let's see if the Chiefs can do something to kind of put a dent in that, a permanent one this time. I know I normally start with the offense, but I'm going to switch things up because I know we're going to get into the offense and we've got a lot to say about Brady. Let's start with the defense. And Zach, you pretty much said it right here. Uh, They're great. I mean, they're top five in points per game. Uh, total defense against the pass and against the run. Top five in all, all of those. Number one in points per game, allowing 12.1 points per game. Uh, Devin McCourty, he ties first in the NFL in interceptions alongside former Chief Marcus Peters on that one. Uh, you look at their cornerbacks, man. They've got a lot of good cornerbacks. Jonathan Jones, he's the fourth best cornerback on Pro Football Focus. He's got a pair of force fumbles. Stephon Gilmore, one of the best. He's got four picks this year and a pick six. J.C. Jackson has actually been a solid cornerback for them. Jason McCourty dealing with an injury, so his status is uncertain for this week. Uh, another good cornerback, though, if he is available. As far as the front seven goes, Jamie Collins leading the team in tackles. Uh, also has three picks. Has... Uh, Six, uh, or excuse me, 11 tackles for a loss, six sacks, and three forced fumbles. Kyle Van Noy, three forced fumbles and six and a half sacks. Uh, Dante Hightower, another reliable linebacker for them. Other defensive linemen, they got Chase Winovich and Adam Butler, who each have five and a half sacks. So, talent all around this defense. DJ, I'll go to you first. What do you think is the ideal approach against this kind of defense considering the fact Mahomes has struggled a little bit in the past couple of games as well as the rest of the offense I think so you know the the Chiefs really haven't been whole um a whole team very much this year because we've had a lot of missing pieces from you know the first few snaps of the first game when we lost Tyreek Hill I think that actually plays to our benefit in this game because Something tells me that maybe Andy has held some stuff back, um, kind of like Belichick, Belichick does, um, to perhaps show some new wrinkles that uh, Belichick hasn't seen on film. Um, you know, Watkins, by the way, has been is going to be I mean atrocious since week one. He's he had a huge week one. And nothing since then. I mean, he's had about I think no touchdowns. It's been it's been really 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 disappointing. So, I I think I think the Chiefs' approach is gonna it's gonna be a high scoring game. I think you know I heard um, oh it was uh, Jeff Chahita I think on uh, the Border Patrol projected the game was gonna be I think seventeen to sixteen. <laughs> I don't think there's any chance of that. This is gonna be a game in the thirties. It's gonna be a game in the thirties. You're going to see Brady throwing the ball. You're going to see Mahomes throwing the ball. Uh, you're going to see Tyreek scoring at least once, maybe twice. It it, it will be a high-scoring game. Um, I don't think it's going to be a defensive battle um, between these two teams, at least not, not in this particular game. Maybe in the playoffs, but not yeah. in this game. I mean, realistically, I think that yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see strength on strength because, I mean, while I've certainly been impressed with the strides that the Chiefs' defense has made this year, I wouldn't characterize it as the strength of the team, nor do I ever expect it to be. Uh, just because with Mahomes under center and Andy Reid coaching, the offense should always be the calling card for this Chiefs' team. At least that's my humble opinion. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the you know, high-flying Chiefs' offense going up against the stingiest secondary, arguably, in the league outside of possibly San Francisco. I mean, you know, you're talking about... 
three of the best corners in the league, um, not even just by pro football focus. I mean, Stephon Gilmore has you know done a great job. Just I mean, he essentially is able to you know, take the uh, opposing team's top receiver uh, and just blanket some all game. I mean, against the Cowboys, he caught more than Amari Cooper did um, with two interceptions to Cooper's zero catches. Uh, you know, last week DeAndre Hopkins got the better of him a little bit, but DeAndre Hopkins is you know top three receiver in the league. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if the Chiefs are able to crack the code on this defense. By the same token, I think that, you know, the Chiefs de- or the Chiefs defense is going to have a uh, good time getting after Brady in the offense because, uh, you know, like I said earlier, they just seem to be lacking the playmakers. So it- it'll be interesting to see which wins out. Um, I-, I think I am actually tempted to see- lean more towards the defensive uh, battle here as opposed to the uh, you know, high-flying shootout just because, I don't see how Brady and friends are going to carve up this defense the way that we've been playing and with the weapons that they've got. Now, that said, everybody was kind of hating on the Patriots offense this past weekend and, you know, highlighting the fact that Brady was chewing out all his receivers. If that's not bulletin board material, I don't know what is. And this is a Patriots team that's probably at its most dangerous coming off a loss. So I may be forced to eat those words. We'll see what happens. I can actually see both Brady and Mahomes stepping it up in this game. Uh, like I said, I know this has been a really rough year for Brady, and we say that, but his stats aren't horrible by all means. They're not Brady-like. Mahomes' stats the past couple of weeks are not Mahomes-like. I can kind of see them both uh, stepping up in this uh, in this game in Foxborough. Real quickly on special teams, uh, this is actually very interesting. So uh, running back uh, Brandon Bolden, he handles most of the kick returns, averaging 22 yards of return. Gunner, uh, or excuse me, Gunner, Olszewski, I believe is how you say it. He averages nine yards per punt return. Their punter, Jake Bailey, he has the third most punts with 66. That's three behind the uh, leader in the NFL, uh, the Jets punter, Lack Edwards. Uh, fourth most punt yards, so not necessarily a good stat to have. He's actually below average in his punts uh, and net average, too. So it's not like he's a good punter by any means. Um, this is very interesting. So the Patriots do not have a kicker right now. They actually practiced Wednesday without a kicker. I'm not quite sure how how that works when you're practicing, but I suppose when you have Bill Belichick as your head coach, he always finds a way to get through it. Um, they released Kai Forbath. Uh, he's actually the fourth kicker on the team this year. Goskowski was injured. Mike Nugent came in, was terrible. Nick Folk came in, was terrible. And now Kai Forbath came in. Terrible. So uh, I assume they're going to find a replacement. It'd be crazy to think otherwise. He, In fact, Kai Forbath, I believe, was picked up by the Indianapolis Colts. So the Patriots at the moment do not have a kicker. <laughs> very, very interesting to say the least. Let's go now to the offense because I know this is where a lot of people have a lot of things to say. Sixth in points per game, despite not moving the football as well so far this year. 14th in total offense, eighth in passing, 21st in rushing. Brady's got 18 picks, six, or excuse me, 18 touchdowns, six picks, and has been sacked 21 times. Still airing it out, though. Fifth in passing yards with 3,268 yards. His running back, Sonny Michelle James White, combined for seven touchdowns, six of them from Michelle, but they're both averaging below four yards a carry. Julian Edelman, third in the NFL in receptions with 82. So you know this guy, the reigning Super Bowl MVP, always a guy you can rely on. Uh, 915 yards and five touchdowns, obviously leading the team in all of those categories there. You've got James White. A running back that is used a lot in the passing game. He's second in uh, on the team in receptions and receiving yards 
with 512. They use Philip Dorsett quite a bit. He has five touchdowns on the year. They traded for Mohamed Sanu from the Atlanta Falcons. He's got 17 catches for 122 yards so far up to this point. Offensive tackles, Isaiah Wynn, Marcus Cannon. Those are good offensive tackles. The most notable name for this game would probably be Shaq Mason going up against Chris Jones. I think that's going to be a very key matchup and seeing how that pans out. And, of course, you know, this is run by Josh McDaniels. Everyone's aware of McDaniels. 11-17 uh, and 17 record before getting fired after losing to the Chiefs with the Broncos. But uh, his, his performance as an offensive coordinator has been one of the best in the NFL. In fact, he's been in New England for all six of the Super Bowls. So he's definitely had a hand in that offensive success. All right. Let's just get this out. Let's just get into it now. The whole thing with Brady, you know, what Tom Brady's going to show up here. And I think, you know, everyone knows it's a big game, including Tom himself. And I think this is the game where, you know, as great as our defense has been lately, we have seen that inconsistency this year. And I think that inconsistency is going to come back in this week where Brady will be able to find some holds on this defense. And I think he'll be able to connect with Julian Edelman. In fact, I want to be surprised if Edelman had one of those big double-digit catch games where he's catching the football 15 times. Or maybe we could say the same thing about James White, who, by the way, broke the playoff record, the postseason record for most catches, I believe, in a single postseason game against the Chargers. So I can see that, given how the Chiefs have done against some top-notch receivers or running backs. Uh, And James White, not a top-notch running back, but still a running back they use a lot in the passing game. Uh, Zach, I'll go to you first. What is your takeaway when you look at this Patriots offense against the Chiefs defense? So, recognizing that you know, Belichick is the sort of coach who isn't going to make the boneheaded mistakes that, you know, say the first half of the game Mike Rabel made against the Chiefs by not just feeding it to Derrick Henry all day. Um, I mean, realistically, if I had Sony Michelle on my fantasy team, I would be starting him absolutely because there's no reason to believe until we prove that we can stop it, uh, that they're not just going to run the ball down our throat. Uh, By the same token, we've also shown that we're pretty poor at covering running backs out of the backfield in the passing game. So, I mean, that's really two of New England's primary strengths, and I think that that may limit our ability to, uh, you know, get after Brady uh, and make his day a little more difficult. You know, I think you're going to see a lot of quick passes out to White. I think you're going to see him run the ball with Michelle and try to control the clock realistically. Um, do I think that we can effectively shut down Edelman? I do. Uh, I think that essentially, you know, you just double him and have him, uh, you know, whether it's with Matthew, uh, kind of shadowing him or Thornhill. I mean, I think that I've got pretty solid confidence in the, both of those two, um, in the passing game that, uh, I think that we could, we can limit him fairly well, but I think that, you know, defensively the key for us is going to have to be, you know, you want to make Brady beat you with people like, you know, Philip Dorsett or Nikhil Harry or Mohamed Sanu. Uh, you know, if that's the guy who blows up and helps beat the Chiefs, I mean, you know, not bad on Steve Spagnuolo's part to, you know, take away the key things such as Julian Edelman, James White, and Sony Michelle. I was told by uh, Michael Lombardi that the biggest uh, weakness we might have is Tom Brady taking advantage of Steven Nelson. So. <laughs> we were worried about that matchup. Um, maybe didn't maybe he say he were, that on six ten? He did. He sure did. Um, thank God, guys that were actually in oh, NFL front quickly, offices don't have to do research. Hold on, Stephen Nelson's like 
10th or 11th on Pro Football Focus right now. I don't know how or why, but good for him. That's why I don't trust Pro Football Focus. For getting stiff-armed? Yeah, I mean, Pro Football Focus, I, I like it. It's it's a factor. It's not the factor. Um, those because if you look at Steven Nelson, we've seen him. He's he's average. I mean, he he can make some plays. He gets beat really badly. He doesn't turn his head around. Um, as far as the Patriots, so you know, I look at Brady, and he's I, he's showing his age. I mean, he is. And, and yeah, I agree. Father Father Time is undefeated. That's what they always say. He's, what, 42, 41. Um, he's a statue in the pocket, kind of like Phillip Rivers. The difference, like you brought up, Zach, is that he's going to get the ball out quick. And so, particularly whoever's playing slot corner, which I I, I think Fenton, I don't know what you, Farzine, did you say that uh, Fenton's uh, okay to play? I'm sorry, re- re- repeat that again. You cut out for a second. Uh, Fenton, um, the cornerback for uh... the Chiefs. Boy, I, I didn't pay that much close attention to because I know he, he went out in the third sort of injury right now. Yeah, he went out in the third quarter of the last game, um, but he's been playing the slot corner and he's been playing it really well. In fact, they were he, not even just, playing Fuller slot. I don't mean to cut you off, DJ, but he didn't have practice Wednesday, so he's Ooh, it's still kind of up okay. in the air right now. So probably that means Kendall Fuller would be playing slot corner. Probably it looked like Fuller was playing some safety against um the raiders so that was kind of interesting here's what i like about um spagnola versus sutton bob sutton would have a game plan and he would stick to the game plan and he would not change it he would drop justin houston in coverage um when he shouldn't have been doing that he would you know stick to whatever defensive game plan he had spagnola is at least shown an ability to switch things up, uh, you know, put Fenton out there and play him in the slot, put Fuller at safety, play Tyron Matthew in the slot corner, uh, realize, like, I think I saw something the other day where he had uh, Passano playing coverage a couple plays and quickly went away from that because he realized that was not working. So I guess I'm I'm hopeful that Spagnola just has the – the magic ingredients to beat the Patriots. Uh, you know, he's, if you look at his career as a defensive coordinator, it hasn't been elite. He's had, he's had obviously those two Super Bowl wins against the Patriots, but the rest of it has been average to below average as far as where the defense is finished. So he's made his money off of playing the Patriots. And I hope that can continue. They, they have to get to Brady. It's going to be tough to get to Brady because Brady, like you said, Zach, he gets the ball out so quick, and it's it's really hard. To, I, I don't even know what the stats are this year about how often he's been sacked, but it's pretty rare. So for what it's worth there on the sacks, uh, he's been sacked 21 times, which is good for the exact same amount that he had in all of last year. So he has been getting hit more often, uh, but, I mean, still certainly not not a lot. All right, well, I'll, let's get to predictions right now. Before we get into that, let me just say this. I, one comment I do want to make about the Patriots. I know a lot of people are saying about how the Patriots, you know, they get away with an easy call in the end. Like, for example, the Cowboys game where there was that phantom tripping penalty and all. 
Look, first of all, you know, you know, the Cowboys had not scored a touchdown that entire game, okay? So they had plenty of chances early. And second of all, let's just say that flag never happened. Do you honestly think that suddenly the Cowboys are going to get into the end zone? Because I sure as hell didn't think so. Um, the field goal would not have won them the game. They, ha- they have to actually get to the end zone. So, you know, give credit to the Patriots. I, I know it has not been fun to watch, but even in these low-scoring games, like the one against the Bills also when Brady was playing bad, um, they still find a way to squeeze it, uh, a win. Uh, it's not very easy to do even in, in those situations. Uh, so it, it's kind of been like Kansas City. Mahomes hasn't played well, so the Raiders had chances to get back in this football game. The, the Chargers almost did it, but the defense came through at the end of the day. So uh, the Patriots are finding ways to win, uh, whether we like it or not. And I think it's going to be a very interesting game to watch. And, of course, big audience, a lot of people are going to be watching. Uh, Zach, I'll go to you first. What is your score prediction for this game? I mean, this is a tough one. I think it's going to be a sort of you know, a 24-21 sort of dub. And I, I'm going to hand it to the Chiefs. I hope they prove me right. Uh, just because this is the sort of game that I think is really a gut check for both teams. I mean, you know, I, at the moment, obviously, you know, the hottest thing in the AFC is the Baltimore Ravens, uh, and the Patriots are, you know, under fire for maybe having, you know, a few more chinks in their armor than normal, and the Chiefs are in the same kind of boat. So I think this is definitely a massive prove-it game for both teams, and uh, I'm going to say that, you know, the Chiefs are able to uh, – you know, get a little bit more done on the defensive end uh, to keep Brady from beating them in the end. All right, DJ, what do you say? I say 31-30, um, close game. I think I, there will be a little bit more offense, I think, involved in this game. And what's kind of funny about it, though, is we win this game, and it's obviously a huge, huge win to beat the Patriots at Foxborough. But I still think it's unlikely we get a bye week out of it um, because that would mean the Patriots would probably have to lose another game at Foxborough back-to-back, the last game of the season against Buffalo, unless we expect them to lose against the Bengals or Dolphins, which I don't, even though I know they lost to the Dolphins last year. Kind of a freak play. Um, I don't see the Ravens losing more than one game the rest of the year. So it would be great to beat the Patriots and I want to I, I think we will beat the Patriots it'll be awesome but unfortunately I don't know that it really changes anything other than whether we get the third or the fourth seed in the playoffs you're still going Chiefs though just to be clear absolutely yes I think okay, the Chiefs okay. are going to win this game yeah uh, to, to comment on your on what you were saying about the whole playoff seedings you know the, the the Chiefs beat the Ravens the Texans beat the Chiefs the Chiefs may beat the Patriots and if the Patriots uh lose this game and if they also lose to the Bills later this year unlikely in my opinion but if that does happen dude we have one of those massive crazy mixes where it's going to come down to like common opponents uh, strength of victory, strength of schedule in a massive tiebreaker situation. I well, actually, I, if we, I, I'd be if, I'd be interested in that. I'd love we, to see if, uh, if, something if, like that uh, come if, come come to life. But uh, we'll see how that pans out. Um, as far as my prediction goes, uh, look, I can see this going back and forth for the first three quarters. I think we're, you're going to see a lot of lead changes in this game. But I think the team that wins is going to have the bigger fourth quarter, and they will pull away. And I can see Kansas City 
being the team that does a better job of that in this game. So therefore, I see it being 31-21. I'm going with a two-possession win on the road. I know that's a really bold prediction, but I'm going KC 31-21 in Foxborough. And again, you guys can also join in with your commentary on all of this. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzivisugian. Tweet us at Farzine21, at Zstegna, at ChiefsFanChai. Uh, a couple of topics before we sign off and uh, read our text messages here. So, uh, Zach, I know you said you wanted to talk about this, and it's the NFL 100 all-time list. And I guess a lot of fans are upset by this because of some of the obvious omissions. Um... I know the biggest one that Chiefs fans are upset with is Derek Thomas. Now, you had uh, put out on this list here uh, some of the Chiefs that are named so far. Willie Lanier, Buck Buchanan, Bobby Bell. And if I'm not mistaken, this is um, a list put together by uh, Belichick, I believe. Um, Rich Eisen's a part of this as well. Chris Collinsworth, some other former uh, coaches and players. Dick Vermeil, I think you mentioned, is someone who had uh, a responsibility in this. Uh, I don't want to go too much over the list, but I know a lot of people are upset about some of the omissions. Ladanian Tomlinson, I, I know, is omitted. Um, Zach, I'll let you kind of take the floor on this. What is your biggest frustration so far when we mention some of the omissions with this NFL Top 100 Players of All Time list? So, I mean, ultimately, the thing that I found frustrating, I mean, while I, I think it's you know a, a massive point of frustration, obviously, as a Chiefs fan, to see Derek Thomas left out when... Lawrence Taylor made it by the same token they're having to do you know they essentially they've chosen a hundred or they have to fill a hundred spots across you know all the different positions and you know that left them with six inside linebackers six outside linebackers and realistically I was you know as I was obviously frustrated at first with the fact that Lawrence Taylor made it and Derek Thomas didn't uh as I was looking at the list I mean it's tough to you know go across eras and not leave somebody out. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I think that had Derek Thomas played a full career uh, and not had it tragically cut short, uh, he would have ultimately broken Taylor's record and we might be looking at this very differently. Uh, but realistically, stats say what they say. Uh, you know, Taylor obviously has more sacks and he also played a year where they weren't officially tabbing up sacks. So, uh, you know, I was a little frustrated to not see his name on there. But the thing that really threw me was... So far, they've announced the running backs uh, as well as defensive line uh, and linebackers. So those are the three primary position groups they've hit so far. With the running backs, the most recent running back that was on the list was Emmett Smith, which, don't get me wrong, he absolutely deserves to be included there. But I was surprised to see them you know, give so much of a nod to some of the older running backs and leave off someone like Ladanian Tomlinson, who I would have thought would absolutely belong on that list. Uh, same goes for Marshall Falk. I mean, Marshall Falk, of all of the finalists that, that they announced, was far and away the uh, best receiving back on there. Uh, and just because he was part of a great offense, I don't think discredits the uh, yeah, the greatness of him as a back. So I was a little surprised by some of that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see you know how these things continue to pan out moving forward. DJ, do you have any issues with this NFL 100 list? So the, these... I used to look at these lists and I would get aggravated with them. And then I I realized that it, it's really difficult. And I think you just brought this up a little bit, Zach, that you, you really, it's hard to compare eras. Um, you look at, you look at the stat, the stats from, you know, the Namath Unitas eras 
in compared to like the Montana, Elway, Marino eras. And at least when back in those days, I looked at it and I was I looked at it and I was like, wow, Namath and United's were not that good. I mean, I think Namath actually had more interceptions than touchdown passes. And I had people older than me looking at me saying, no, you don't you don't understand. Those guys were really good. It was just a different time. And so now you look at the guys of today, um, you know, Brady being able to play until he's, you know, right now, what, 41, 42, and still playing at a high level at times. And looking at, you know, my favorite quarterback of all time, at least until Mahomes came along, uh, Joe Montana, and you, you compare the stats and you say, wow, like Joe Montana sucked. Like He's not even close to these guys. Like Phillip Rivers is better than Joe Montana. So these these lists are a lot of it, and I think you brought this up far as uh, on Twitter, a lot of it I think is meant to create, you know, a controversy so people will talk about it. Um, yeah. Because if you just put the guys that everybody expects – nobody's going to care about it. They're just going to be like, okay, that, that, those are the guys. Like that's, that's yeah. who should be on the list. But yeah, Derek Thomas should be on that list. Like it, top 100 players. Yeah. He should absolutely be on that list. You know, is Lawrence Taylor a better linebacker all time than Derek Thomas? In my opinion, uh, watching both of them play. Yes. Um, but Derek Thomas should have been on that list for, for sure. I can't remember the name of this guy. He just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's on Sirius XM. I know he's been a personnel guy in the NFL for a long time. Um, man, uh, it's killing me. His name escapes my mind right now. But uh, Bill Polian? No. Uh, anyway, it, my, my point is he made a list on NFL.com recently putting together the best linebackers of all time. Lawrence Taylor was number one. DT was number two. So, look, Fair no enough. one's going to disagree that DT should be on this list. Um, listen, as a former NFL writer for Bleacher Report, I've done rankings like ranking the top ten players, you know, in the league or the top ten running back tandems in the NFL. Those are hard lists to put together. They really are. Uh, but as you kind of alluded to, DJ, and I tweeted about this, these things, whether it's uh, a list like this or power rank do you know how many people complain about power rankings? Um, <laughs> yeah, because my I'll team you- is never where it should be. <laughs> right, exactly. Let me just tell you right now. First of all, just go to NFL.com slash standings. That's your power ranking right there. Second of all, these kinds of lists are always intentionally altered you know, to, to, put, to misplace teams or, you know, omit certain players on this kinds of these kinds of lists because you got to drive some sort of discussion about it as you mentioned dj i I tweeted about this if it's all agreeable we're not even talking about this to be honest with you nope but because there are certain omissions um yeah here we are talking about it reacting to it listen every year the nfl does the top 100 players from the previous year they do it every off season there was a year where jj watt missed uh, like 12 or 13 games and he still made the list JJ Watt even mentioned on Twitter he's like what the hell I, I only played two or three games like why am I on this list so you know it even comes down to are people even paying attention or thinking twice when they vote uh, for these kinds of things so you know it, it's hard to it, it's a very hard list to put together it really is but I also think it's done intentionally to omit certain players, certain names, just to drive up conversation. I know it's not 
a popular agreement. It's not a likable comment, but that is how they do things sometimes. Well, I mean, look at the media. You know, oh, Channel 5 will say, or whatever media, I know people don't like Channel 5, but... You know they'll have a tease, uh, and they'll uh, they'll tease it aggressively. And then when you read the news or, or watch that story, it's not as big of a deal as they tried to make it out to be. But they do it in their commercials leading up to the ten o'clock or eleven o'clock news, wherever depending where you live, yeah. to get you hooked in to make sure you're watching that. So these things are done intentional. Again, you may not like it, but that is how the media does these kinds of things at times and i'm, I'm uh, sure my i'm sure my grandfather somewhere out there is saying where the hell is red grange on the list he was a finalist <laughs> did he uh, make it <laughs> i don't think he made but, it i mean you know it's one of those things that's tough you know how do you compare red grange against adrian peterson you don't <laughs> right <laughs> no it's hard you can't um you, you have to compare you, you have to look at eras you can't look at that the entire thing it, 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 comparing eras that is an extremely difficult thing to do like you know uh, I mean I don't want to get into it too deeply but you know what if you know Otis Taylor played with Patrick Mahomes what kind of a receiver would he be and, right. I, I don't know Julio Jones to say. is who he would be yeah very hard to say um, real quickly uh, last topic before we read our texts so the 49ers suspended their color analyst former Bears defensive tackle Tim Ryan uh, also a serious XM uh, NFL co-host he was suspended for a controversial comment on Lamar Jackson. Here's what he said. He said he's really good. This was on a radio show that he was a guest on. He said he's really good at that fake. But when you consider his dark skin, uh, the color of the foot, uh, oh, oh, the color with the dark football and a dark uniform, you could not see that thing. I mean, you literally could not see when he was in and out of the mesh point. And if you're a half step slow on him in terms of your vision, forget it. He's out of the gate. Okay, let me just say this. I don't think there's anything terrible. I, you know, what he said, the wording is, you know, certain people are going to take that the wrong way. I don't think he meant that in a, with any malice. I don't think he meant that in a in a way to try to offend anybody. I think, you know, I get what he's trying to say, and I think it just came out wrong. And listen, you know, if I make a joke here about politics, for example, you know, Zach might think it's the funniest joke he's ever heard. But DJ might be very upset and think it's a it's an offensive comment. You know, we're all very different people. We we don't take things the same way as someone else would. So I think the 49ers looked at this and said, look, we might get some backlash from this, even though that was not his intention. Because I can truly see this as a guy who was who truly had no idea and did not think this was going to come off controversial, but in our social media age today, and, I, and I'm very critical of these kinds of comments. But I don't see this as a very harsh comment. I don't think he meant it that way. Do you guys see it the same way? I mean, just as I'm reading it, um, I mean, I think that I, I think I could see what he was getting at. Um, by the same token, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, it was not worded particularly well. Um, I mean, I, I think I understand what he means, just because again, you know, it sounds to me just reading just the quote. Uh, you know, not being able to hear the tone, like I'm only reading the text here. Um, you know, I think it's he's pointing out the fact that visually it's a little harder to track. Um, you know, as a result there, and so you know, probably not his most artfully worded thing, but uh, yeah, in today's day and age, that's that's a tough one, and I understand the suspension. Hopefully, he doesn't end up getting ultimately uh, released for it. Uh, 
assuming again that it was meant with good intentions if it was met meant ill intended well then that's a totally different story get his ass out but right. I, I i don't i don't read into this as deliberately uh, intentionally no. offensive by any stretch well no. you hit the nail on the head i mean it, it's today's day and age everything is looked at uh with a microscope and even the slightest you know uh scintilla of something untoward is going to be looked at as malice even if it's not you know i i'm just hearing about it um with you bringing it up right now i it, you know i've i've followed tim ryan i i i i don't know if he's actually made a statement um or given a statement since this came out i it doesn't sound like something that is blatantly from a guy that's racist. Um, I think he was trying to explain something um, in an in our uh, articul- articulately uh, way. Um, so it, 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 you just have to be careful with what you say. And you know he's obviously going to pay for it because he's gonna, he was suspended. And um, yeah, I I I don't know. Yeah, and, and look, you know, everyone knows I can, I can be a smart aleck on social media, but, you know, I'll write something out, and if I'm making a joke, you know, I'll read it twice, you know, hey, would this be taken the wrong way? No, it, I, people might find it funny, hit send. If, if it can be seen, you know, very differently from different people, you know, erase it, delete it, so... Uh, you, you gotta you gotta think twice sometimes on those kinds. And, and again, it didn't look like a comment that came off ill intended. Could have been worded maybe a little bit better. Maybe it's just oh, one yeah. of those things that you just look. We get the point you're trying to make, but maybe play it safe and just don't even say it. Just drop that and say something else. You know, uh, because in this day and age, you can't win sometimes with public uh, manner. Again, you know, I I might make a comment, DJ might love it, and Zach might think it's a it's a very mean comment. You know. We're all different. We can't control that kind of thing. And, and that's what I urge people to understand when controversy arises, when someone makes a big comment in these kinds of things. There are some people who make terrible comments, like a terrible joke that's not even funny at all. Like, that's a different thing. This is not well, meant. There was absolutely no malice in this. So when, when you when, when you brought it up, Fars, uh, the, the first person I thought of was Rush Limbaugh. Um, no, when he made the com- <laughs> when, he, when he made the comment about uh, I think it was Donovan, Donovan McNabb, and I I don't think those I, I don't think they're the same thing. Um, no, I I think one was made with malice and one was not. And um, yeah, I I think Tim Ryan just used the wrong words. I'm sure he regrets it. Yeah, I I doubt Rush Limbaugh regretted what he said. <laughs> <laughs> no, not in the not in the least bit. Uh, real quickly, let's sign off. Uh, but before we do that, let's read a couple of your text messages. Uh, out of the six two six, Daniel in Florida, great win against the Raiders. Would you like to see more blitzes against the Pats or more of a zone scheme and stop the dink and dunk passes? Well, we talked about the offenses earlier. Hey, Zach, you mentioned it earlier. Brady's getting hit more than he is before. Uh, I know Emmanuel Agua's out. That's unfortunate. Frank Clark, we'll see what happens. But you still have the front seven to to go out there and get the job done. And if you can invade the the pocket, it's going to be a long day for Brady. I mean, yeah, that's the one thing that Brady has always kind of – I mean, that's always been the knock 
so to speak, if there is one on him, and that's that, you know, the way to beat him is to hit him. The hard part is that between how fast he gets the ball out and the fact that generally his offensive lines have been pretty good, that's way easier said than done. Like, oh, yeah, just hit the guy. Yeah, that's it's easy for me to say behind a microphone. It's really hard to go out there and do it. But uh, I'd like to see the Chiefs, you know, as long as they bracket Edelman uh, and, you know, have a safety following him. I think that it's all right to kind of dial up a blitz here and there to try to get to Brady. As long as that safety is not Josh Shaw, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Real quickly, the last text. Actually, we'll combine these last two texts here. From the 270, Jeremy in Kentucky says uh, Andy Reid needs to give Darwin Thompson a shot more often. And Michael in North Carolina out of the 336 says Thompson should be the starter. Uh, a lot of people were excited for Darwin Thompson when he came out of college and when the Chiefs drafted him. And now here he is in the preseason. He had some flashes. And now here he is in the regular season uh, making the most of his opportunity that he's being given. Uh, of course, it was a blowout and Daryl Williams suffered an injury. Um, look, Jamal Charles, I was saying for a long time when he was third on the depth chart, I was saying this guy needs to start. And, you know, that the guy who leads the franchise in rushing at one point was third on the depth chart under Todd Haley. So uh, you do have these good players sometimes that are, you know, a diamond in the rough, but you just don't know sometimes until you give them a shot. Um, and I'm not trying to say he's going to be the next Jamal Charles. We don't know, but uh, I'll go to you first on this one, DJ. Uh, Darwin Thompson, what do you say? Uh, do you think he gets at least one start this year before the year ends? I I liked what I saw Sunday. Um you know, the question is, was it more the Raiders just kind of gave up? You know, it was cold. They were getting blown out, and most of his yards came in the fourth quarter. There was a long drive. I think it was a 15-play drive at the end of the game where he pretty much touched the ball the the entire drive and then finally got that touchdown. I, I would like to see him get more touches. Um, you know, we saw some flashes in the preseason. It's preseason. I get it. It's, you know, it's... It, 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 you take it with a grain of salt. His height, you know, yeah, he's what five eight, five nine, very small. You look at other court or other running backs. You know, Emmett Smith was really small. Uh, Barry Sanders was small, same height. Am I calling Darwin Thompson those guys? I am not. I think it's worth a shot though because the the biggest problem I've seen with our offense, other than the fact that we've really not been whole because of all the injuries is we haven't had a, you know, go-to running back. It's been a hodgepodge of LaShawn McCoy, Daryl Williams, uh, Damian Williams, and then Darwin Thompson. Now we have Spencer Ware thrown in the mix. I heard on 610 today where they were suggesting that they thought Spencer Ware was going to get more touches than Darwin Thompson. That would actually piss me off. (laughs) That would would surprise me. Yeah, because... At this point, Darwin Thompson at least showed you that he can, he can, he can carry the ball. He did a good job. He should get a chance. Um, you know, if, that- he, if if he doesn't do anything with it, that's fine. Throw Spencer Ware in there. But when's the last time Spencer Ware played football? Yeah, it's been I mean, a while. And Zach, last you know, Lashawn McCoy, you know, he has a high average. He he has one of the best yards per carry averages among running backs in the NFL. Uh, it's been an unfortunate year with all the injuries we've had, especially at that running back spot. That's certainly, yeah, I mean, the injury buck has been running around there. But given the injuries, I, I, I think we, we maybe Darwin Thompson doesn't start, but he's probably going to see a lot of touches this year, don't you think? 
I mean, I would like to see him get some touches. By the same token, you know, the one thing that you know, all of the running backs you mentioned there, DJ, that we've had play so far this year, you know, Spencer Ware does bring something different to the table that you know those guys do not, and that's really you know the kind of heft to run between the tackles. Uh, don't get me wrong; at one point or another, all of you know both Williamses and McCoy have done that, but uh, you know I think that that adds a different wrinkle to the offense that uh, you know might just be a nice change of pace, uh, just to kind of keep the defense on their toes. Because I think you know with the Chiefs' offense, you know I think that people have been able to kind of sit back and uh, you know try to hedge against Andy Reid's creative play calling and you know try to avoid getting caught out in space uh, and so maybe banging it up the middle is exactly what we need here's what I'm wondering with uh, Darwin Thompson too is you know last two times we played the Patriots well except for the playoff game with Kareem Hunt he killed them uh, catching the football um, yep big time and, and Darwin Damian Thompson Williams has did shown the same the, yeah and, and Darwin Thompson has shown the ability to do that and so I, I'm that's curious to see whether Darwin Thompson will be that guy on Sunday that's going to they'll, they'll run some plays where he's actually going to be getting catches out of the backfield uh, for big plays because he's, he's shown big play ability. And I don't know that, you know, LaShawn McCoy does, like you said, Vars, he, he has a good yards per carry average. It's over five. Um, obviously not carrying, like, a huge load, but um, – I think Darwin Thompson at least should get a chance to, to show what he can do, albeit against a very, very, very tough opponent. No, you actually made it. Zach just said you made a great point, and I'll echo what he said. And Zach, I know you just mentioned uh, Damian Williams. We didn't really talk about that. You know, the fact that Kareem Hunt had those monster games, and then uh, you know, could could Darwin Thompson or Lashawn McCoy do something like that? So that'll be interesting to see, and I'm sure. Belichick, you know, being Belichick, I'm sure he'll be ready for it. So it'll be um, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch. I know we didn't discuss that part of it in our breakdown, but I'm glad you brought that up, DJ, because that is actually a very good point as we get closer and closer to what is the most anticipated Chiefs game of this season. This is the game that everyone circled on the schedule since the schedule came out in April. Uh, Greatly appreciate all of you guys who sent in a text. Appreciate all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I am Farzim Vasugian. Zach Senga, DJ Evans joining me. Appreciate you guys and all the work you've done for this episode. So be sure you guys interact with us on social media at Farzim21, at Zstenga, at ChiefsFanShy. That is the tweet machine. I'm on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Vasugian. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. 913-808-2119. Texas after the game. Let us know your thoughts on the Chiefs and the Patriots game once it is over. Also, next week, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio, also a podcaster, He's going to be joining us on next week's episode, so we are very excited for that. And, of course, we will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Broncos at this time next week. So stay subscribed, share the links, spread the word about the Chiefs Zone Podcast to your friends. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Chiefs and Pats game. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.